Welcome to the Supreme Resort Land V World, a podcast about Disneyland and Walt Disney World, and which is the Supreme Resort. Each episode, we will discuss and explore each resort, ride by ride, land by land, park by park, to determine which is better. I'm your host, Jimmy, and thank you for joining me on this quest to help the greater good of humanity answer this long, elusive question, which is better, Disneyland or Walt Disney World? Joining me, as always, is Dan. Hi, I'm Dan, and Daylight Savings Time is awesome. And Eric, how do you feel about Daylight Saving Time? Um, I'm not a huge fan. Uh, but, uh, you know, I mean, it, 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 this, I think we'd leave it at daylight savings time. We just leave yeah. it. I, just it doesn't make it sense here. anymore. It, you know, whatever the reason, whether it's farmers or like, I think somebody said it was like the, the shopping mill lobby or something like that. I don't remember what it is, but it's, but points. I don't know. I wouldn't know what to do when I'm done hoeing my turnips. I wouldn't know. <laughs> I wouldn't know what to do. So well, the sun's still it. up, I guess. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and we have a special guest judge today to determine the best pre-show in the pre-show pandemonium. Uh, best pre-show at the D- domestic Disney parks. He is the co-host of DL weekly podcast. Welcome Teg Bushman. Welcome to the Supreme Resort. Yes, thanks for having me. I will say that, Jimmy, you're the only one that referred to the time change correctly. I worked with a meteorologist before, and they dri- are driven crazy by the S on daylight saving time. Mm, right. So whatever your pre-show is, you get a point already. There you go. We are Ooh. off to an excellent start already. Uh, we don't have so, points lined up. <laughs> so Toy I have Story a queue is one point closer to winning. There you go. <laughs> I have some notes on Toy Story's Q. Um, not that I have the entire transcript of what uh, no, Potato Head no, says, no, but no, 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 or no, no. all the lyrics of the song. But anyway, um, so I have a quick question, Tig. So how does it feel to be a podcast homewrecker? <laughs> podcast home Because you're also a co-host of The Hub Crawl with one Mr. Eric Johnson. I'm glad you mentioned my new podcast. Thank you, Jimmy. Can I can I refer to you from now on as the the podcast Eric's podcast mistress? <laughs> sure. Okay, great. <laughs> sure. Nothing? You got nothing on that? Uh I mean, I, I no, not not anything smarmy off the top of my head unfortunately. <laughs> All right, I'll give you some time. You can come back. I'll ask it again. But I do want to contest the fact that Eric said it was his podcast because it is our podcast, Eric. Correct. Correct. You're mm-hmm. sleeping on the couch tonight. <laughs> oh no. And don't the worry, podcast. I messed up both of think- <laughs> If you think of something uh, snarky like half an hour into the show and you think, surely now's not the time everyone's forgotten, it's fine. They're used to like just shoehorning in the joke. <laughs> mm-hmm. I do it all the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, and or he can edit it into where we can insert it. And then now we can re-record and say, oh, that was really funny, Ted. Good, good one. <laughs> or we can put it into scraping the vault just randomly because yeah. the listeners over there are very used to that. That's oh, true. <laughs> um, a different so, show? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> In fact, I'm going <laughs> to. So um, tell me about DL Weekly. What's it about and how often do you release? So DL Weekly <laughs> is a podcast about the Disneyland Resort. Uh, and we do it every week, obviously, with a oh, name. Oh, not uh, just a clever name. Yeah, we just cover cover news every week. We do a little bit of trivia, which Teresa and I are exceptionally bad at. And then we have a discussion topic, which uh, is either something we've researched about, like an attraction, much like what you guys do here. Or uh, we basically just talk about we, we interview people sometimes. So 
that's kind of that's kind of the gist of it. We have a pretty good community over there. I hear, you know, I I'm I kick myself when Eric told me about your podcast. I kick myself because this the concept for this show is golden, and I'm so mad that I I didn't come up with it before you guys did. <laughs> I was surprised when I came up with it. Or we came up with it. I I was surprised. I searched every freaking podcast on the planet, and there is nothing. There are YouTube channels who like do video comparisons of these two attractions, and they and they those are the most popular episodes of those shows. Like, uh, what's the one? Um, uh, TPM Vids does mm-hmm. every time he does a comparison episode. That is the most popular episode. Millions of people listening to it. It's like it God, we've got gold here in this concept. We just need to get people to learn about it. But anyway, um, so deal weekly. It's a fun show. You should listen to it. Not you, Ted, because you're on it, but other people I listen listening to it to twice this. every week. Oh, good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's once a week is a lot. Uh, you know, it's it's a lot of work. Uh, which is why, like with with Eric and the Hub Crawl, we are doing it every two weeks. Although mm-hmm. uh, he's trying to get me to do it more frequently because he sent me a text after recording the last episode and was like, "I could see us doing this every week." And I was, I like, immediately no. regretted that text. By the way, I, <laughs> good. I just I just disavowed it. I just pretended it never came in. <laughs> you did not acknowledge it at all. Exactly. Oh, and by the way, uh, homewrecker. I listened to the most recent episode of DL Weekly, and who did I hear on that episode? One Mr. Eric Johnson. Well, that's a contractual <laughs> thing with concierge, so he's just okay. kinda he's supposed to share those duties with other concierge, but it never quite happens. Yeah, it's not- it's weird. Uh one of one of the other concierge was supposed to share in that duty with me, and he just I'm loaded off camera somehow. Just so everyone's aware <laughs> yeah. I'm not a concierge. Yeah, it's me. Uh, you're right. And I need to do more and be more, I need to do more for the company than just book vacations. You're are right. we, are we 50, 50 concierge staff here on this podcast? Yes. Yes, yep. we are. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, speaking of concierge really quick, uh, the, just recently this week, we had a listener of our show who reached out to concierge and said, they're going to Disney world. They need help. So we scheduled a time, got him, you know, got on Zoom uh, himself and and his friend that are going to Disney World. And they're like, uh, yeah, she's going for a conference in 10 days. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, Ooh. so she's already got a hotel. And so they've got a place to stay. They're at the Gaylord, which is nearby. And I'm like, well, let, let's help you with tickets. So they're like, well, I only want to go for one day because I got a conference and he wants to go for four days or three days. And don't really want to do park hopper because I just plan to go to one and not because I tried to spend their money, but it's like she's available after five every day and, you know, he's available all day. Just get park hoppers and just rather than making two transactions, let's just get two park hoppers for three days for the both of you. And they're like, yeah, that makes sense. So we went through it. I helped him. And then it was time to make theme park reservations in <laughs> 10 days. <laughs> and uh, needless to say, only one park was available for them and it's the park they didn't want to go to. So uh, is it Epcot? Well, it was Epcot. Yeah, they didn't want to go to Animal <laughs> Animal Kingdom. That was also available one of the days. So unfortunately, they're going to have to start at Epcot or Animal Kingdom and then Park Hop, assuming that they'll be able to and it's not a capacity. It's but Flower and Garden Festival. It's a great time to be at Epcot. It is. That's true. It's, and just for the listener, though, really? know, know that yes. we will book your tickets for you and help you make your reservations regardless if you already have a hotel, but do it more than 10 days in advance. Mark, we love you. Thanks for listening. Thank but, you, you know, but if you do it 10 days in advance, you might get the park you don't want. That's true. Exactly. Good point. <laughs> well said. But keep looking back because reservations open up all the time. That brings me to my next question. 
Dan, mm-hmm. I have another client who's going to Disneyland. Everything's booked. The package is booked, but they want to add a day. So I called Disney and the, the day they want to add, there's no reservations available. Do you know if, if people are hoarding theme park reservations like you hoard dining reservations and then they just open oh, up the day before? Undoubtedly, but I think, and I'm pretty sure on this, uh, the reservations for pass holders and reservations for uh, normies yeah, resort are, guests. Are, are, are resort guests is what we call them to make them feel better. I have a dream <laughs> key. Um, oh, yes. it, there's no blackout days. It's the most I have free parking. I get mm-hmm. amazing discount. Anyway, um, <laughs> they're from two different buckets, I think. So, right. Yeah. I think there are three buckets. There's a, there's the biggest, most readily available bucket is I'm staying on property and I have a package. Right. right. And then there's the normie. I'm just, I live down the street. I'm just a regular bucket. And then the, the, probably the smallest bucket is the dream or is the key bucket. I think. How dare you? All right. So I I don't think this should go necessarily in the episode, but uh, (laughs) because, because of uh, reasons, I happen to know that if there is someone that is staying at a Disney resort hotel, their blockout calendar has been basically open. And so uh, somebody that I know of uh, who's getting married there soon and staying at the Disneyland hotel is putting other people's tickets on her, linking them to her account, can get them the reservation because it's part of that thing then. And so she's been getting a lot of family members... um, reservations on days that are that are blocked out however for some reason she's not sure why but uh monday the 21st that's the day since yeah has been blacked out on every calendar since the dawn of time and we're not sure why huh interesting of what it's month? not a holiday of, March? of, March. of, of this month there's not a holiday. There's That's not. So it's funny. not a three day weekend. It's not. Mm-mm. So we have no idea why that day has been blocked out on like everything forever. So I Disneyland's bet just going to be empty that day. I think. I, I bet something. they're unveiling the new the new People Mover, uh, the Tron roller coaster that they haven't started building yet, and right. the Avengers, <laughs> the new Avengers. That's right. Uh, Quinjet ride, all of it. I, yeah, same day. I think that's. I think that's when Bob Chapek is going to set up a, sh- a, a paper shredder in the hub and just like <laughs> put everyone's hopes and dreams through it. Mm, that's a good on one. video, which you can watch on Disney Plus for the newly <laughs> increased price of five million. That's right. Premier access twenty nine. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so deal weekly, and then uh, hub crawl. So, tell us about that show, uh, Eric. Why don't you tell us about hub crawl? Well, you're the guy. Oh, sure. Well, I mean, you know what? I will. Uh, no, <laughs> thanks, Dan. <laughs> Dan, yes, tell us. I, I don't know this podcast. No, uh, so the hub crawl basically is the concept that basically four people get together. Each person brings a question is regarding the Disney universe somewhere in there, and we go around the horn answering what the question is. So we've had questions. Uh, our first episode was all first. So what was your first memory of the park? One. What was your first park, etc. Uh, the episode that'll be coming out uh, at the end of this next coming week uh we have uh like what's your favorite disney channel original movie was one of the questions uh are you a rope drop or a close out the park person if you can only pick one stuff like that we go around we had quite a lot of opinions on hotel stays and stuff on this episode as well so oh yeah Mm -hmm. it went it went a little bit longer than we normally go but uh, is that the second episode that'll be the second episode yep okay because i was gonna say i didn't hear anything about hotels when i listened and there's only one episode out 
Yep, yep. Nope. It's uh, we do we release every other week, and so we're in that middle week right now. Well, when I'm on the show, <clears throat> um, here's We'd my love question. to have you. Thank you. Here's my question, and I'm going to ask it now, and you can answer it now. What <laughs> is the moment or series of moments that happened to you in relation to Disney parks that made you fall in love with the parks? I don't know if it's moment. I mean, the only thing I ever say about it is there was a. It's kind of depressing, but there was a period of time. Uh, early 2000s, I'll say that, uh, anytime I felt sad or down or just kind of like life kind of sucks, I went to Disneyland and I felt better. And yeah. so Disney, Disneyland is quite literally my happy place. And when I moved out to the Midwest and was not a quick in air quotes, uh, seven hour drive from Northern California where I lived, uh, and I was, you know, you have to do airplane and all the other stuff in the Midwest or drive an outrageous amount of time. Uh, I found that, uh, you know, I didn't have as much stress and stuff in the Midwest, so I didn't need to go as often. But I will tell you that it is still my happy place because I never feel better than when I'm at a Disney park. And, you know, I have been to Disney World now since I've moved to the Midwest. And Disney World is also great for a number of different reasons. But my heart's always going to be at Disneyland. Thank you. Yeah, there you go. I, I, I hear you and I feel you. And that was going to be my next question is your relationship with Walt Disney World. So you've been enough times to have a frame of reference when we're talking about uh, attraction pre-shows. Oh, yeah. So the thing about Disney World for me as a Disneyland lifer person was it was so surreal going to Disney World for the first time because it's like, oh, I'm riding the Haunted Mansion or I'm riding Big Thunder Mountain. Or am I? But it's not quite big. It's like a weird alternate universe. Uh, I also thought it was funny that the Disney World fans are not quite as rabid as the Disneyland fans because mm-hmm. I found myself in Liberty Square looking towards Tomorrowland and in the distance I could see the contemporary. If you could see a hotel from inside the park in Disneyland, people's heads would be on spikes and there'd be burning mobs out in front because how dare you break the thing? The, the, when they were building Galaxy's Edge and you could see a little bit of the, of the Mickey and Friends parking structure, people were losing their collective minds and Disney World people were like, whatever, it's still Disney. Well, we well, designed it that way originally because yeah, it's true. tomorrow and yeah, there's a hotel exactly. there. What do you yeah. expect? Was it designed? But, but not from Liberty Square. You shouldn't be seeing wow, that from Liberty true. Square. That's a good point. I mean, uh, they have the space. They could do better. And that's true. I just think, you know. It's uh, one of the things that I, I love, and this is not that moment or series of moments, but the attention to detail to your point, Tag, that they built or they built, they cut a tree in the shape of the Matterhorn to prevent view of the Matterhorn at Disneyland. That's, oh, yeah. that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. Definitely. Um, yeah. So, uh, great. Well, again, we're glad you're here and, uh, welcome and you will be our judge today. But before we get to the pre-show pandemonium, it's time for everyone's favorite segment, Dan's hoarder highlights. Hi. Um, it's, Highlights. It's time to get your highlights done. Yum, yum. Um, <laughs> right. So um, I have some I- issues with this one because I was trying to think about where in the parks I want to talk about eating. And I thought with the last two weeks that this company has had, I don't know if I want to give them any more money. Um, so um, I would I thought we were going to have that conversation first. So well, and we can, and we can use that as the transition. There, there you go. Let, let me for the listener from 2024. This the last couple of weeks, the state of Florida has um, 
done has done Florida. And Ron DeSantis mm-hmm. is is um, putting forth a bill in schools for schools, I think, called Don't Say Gay. And this, to my understanding, and you guys can clarify, is that basically you're not allowed to talk about it. So if like a kid can't talk about being gay, a teacher can't comment on any like it's it's kind of like uh, what is it from the army years ago is a. Uh, don't ask, don't tell. Don't ask, don't tell. Yeah. That's what it feels right. like. It's the vaguest of vagues. It's so, so poorly worded, this bill. Well, they've Isn't done also situations where if a student does tell a teacher, then that teacher has to tell the parent and basically yes. out these poor kids. Who, uh, yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes. It's, it's, um, it's legislation that basically weaponizes all the Karens in the world and makes it so that, um, parents can, uh, sue people for talking about being gay, talking about the fact that gay people exist and trans people. And, um, it is, um, designed i i think that it is designed to uh marginalize communities that are already marginalized and it is awful (laughs) but but dan wait yes isn't it designed to uh combat the rampant child pornography rings in this nation yes i okay as someone who works in the education industry there is no child pornography. <laughs> oh, in, in, in education, the education that's, industry. That's yes. news to me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but as a result of this, um, Disney, ha- who has a very large presence in Florida, has largely been silent about it and, in fact, is supporting supporters of the bill. They, and, yes. Yes. And what does that mean? <sighs> It means I feel, that I feel like that means that they're a large company and every large company donates to everybody and they don't really right. care as long as they can build theme parks or build things and get tax breaks and they can move all the Imagineers from California and have all these tax breaks and make everybody's life miserable there uh, without having to worry about any type of uh, additional funding. I think that, uh, you know, we, we think that Disney, a, a lot of people have argued that Disney is doing this. Uh, you know, like the like going against all their inclusivity and stuff that they've talked about this year. Right. Uh, I yeah. don't think it's that nefarious. I think it's more of we donate to everybody because that's what big businesses do. Because we have to always make sure that we say, "Hey, we gave you X amount of dollars. You need to give us some breaks here." Um. So I don't think it's that nefarious. However, since it has come out. Do I think that they should have said something a little bit earlier? Yes. Yeah. Their silence was sort of deafening, right? Right. And that they have a fair amount of LGBTQ plus employees, famously. Fans. And they're, and fans, of course. Yeah. And it's, um, it, the, the silence speaks louder than the apology. But since well, and, that time, go ahead, Dan. And they've always kind of, not always, but in recent years, they've always kind of, in recent years, I'm tired. Daylight savings. Um, They've been kind of playing lip service to inclusivity and I, there's, I don't know. It's a weird thing where like we all kind of know that deep down in its heart, all this, because Disney is a large corporation, all corporations have a little bit of a right wing lane to them. Um, I mean, just by nature, I think. And I, and, um, because of capitalism, are you saying like just, in I'm general? not going to get, get it because of, 
capital welcome to Chapa's trap house uh no mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> i i think that disney has always has it recently done a very good job of keeping the 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 cold heartless corporation part of itself kind of in check and uh it, more recently under current leadership they've kind of forgotten to do that i think Mm -hmm. and and yeah it is lip service yeah it is aesthetics but like that also counts you know this happens if Iger's in charge what's different well i think Iger said something earlier right yeah i think i think chapek the 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 problem with chapek that that disney fans i think are not used to after years of of Iger is chapek's a money guy right he cares about the financial well-being of the company, and that is his number one priority. Uh, now, that's not to say that he can't also be creative or have things because that leads to better financial success. Do I think he's great at that? No. But financial-wise, he's doing great. The, the, the shareholders, I think, the ones who care about money only, uh, not people like myself who also own shares in the Disney company, mm-hmm. but want them to just be a good company. Right. Uh, you know, I think that I think that they're pretty happy with what he's doing, Genie Plus and all that stuff. So, I don't think that when it comes to the the huggy, you know, the the feel good part of the company is something that he prioritizes in the front of his mind. Because I just don't think that's how his mind works. Right. right. <clears throat> yeah, that's fair. Yeah. And I, so, I think he's I think he's losing that that is that is part of the brand. And and yeah, it's he's a money person but traditionally the ceo of the walt disney company has also been kind of a charismatic leader sort of right. so to speak and it's okay if he's not naturally that but he's really really failing he has at no that part of the job and it no is part of the job yeah i just bought a t-shirt on uh t public <laughs> that has a picture of Bio, or chapek that says chapek is not a thumb yep bob chapek is not a thumb <laughs> I also uh, bought I, that T-shirt. Interesting. Oh, I also bought one too. <laughs> I see cast members that that refer to him as little little Bob, like with the lowercase mm. b. Mm. We call Bob him Iger Bob was the here. Lower, lowercase or the uppercase b. So I don't know. I think Bob Iger was not exactly who uh, he did okay, right? Like I think he wasn't so. a terrible yeah. CEO. Um, was he as good in as the early years of Eisner? I preface with this with early years because I think Eisner did a really great job in the early years while Wells was right. around. Agreed. So really, what what needs to happen, what Disney needs, and they have forgotten this, is they need two people in charge. They need a financial person and a creative. And the creative here, here. person needs to put a nice little sweater on and come on our TVs once a week or whatever and Hello. be like, hi, <laughs> My name's Teg Bushman from the Walt Disney Company, and tonight we're gonna we're gonna show Moana, which is a great story about this girl and her family, blah blah blah. So enjoy, or, or have yeah. like those behind the scenes, like what we're working on things, and then you yeah. got the Chapek who sits in the back, and he goes, "We can't afford that, Teg," and I go, "Well, can we afford a little bit of it?" And then we come to a conclusion and we work together. That is what Disney needs. Disney keeps flip flopping, and they keep having creative people. Or they have financial people, and the and and Iger was closer to both, but I think you really need two yeah. people. Walt, well, I Roy, think is it boom? Yeah, right, that's right. 100%. That's what it was built on. It's the Walt yeah, and Roy thing. Yeah, you yeah. need un- Uncle Walt in front of the cameras. You're right. So take number one. That was a great audition. Number two, um, the I, I think you're right as far as the parks are concerned. 
Eisner probably did a better job in the early years than did Iger. But for the company as a whole, I think Iger revolutionized the company more than sure. Eisner. Sure. Well, and Iger was really good at hiding the evil, you know, like right. we, all, we all knew it was there, <laughs> you know, um, but actually see, it's suspecting that it's there and then seeing it is a completely different thing. It's like during the quarantine, when I started engaging in some of the Facebook groups, I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, these are Disney people. We're all going to get along. I'm like, oh, no, these are fascists. Yeah. <laughs> well, see, so, you got to be careful, too, because... The Disney that the parks especially is turning into is is for that elite, you know, clientele mm-hmm. that has a lot of money to burn. And stereotypically, those people are more conservative with a lot of things. So you get kind of like a change in that. So that could also be part of this whole not talking about it as early is because they're trying right. to go for like a different, you know, they're not they're not Walt type people that Walt thought everybody should be able to be able to come to the parks and enjoy the movies and all that stuff where now they're just trying to make money. And I think that that just goes into a whole thing with with the stock market and everybody always wants you to do better every quarter. And it is impossible to forever and always do better every quarter. It's dumb. Right. You should get rid of this. Yeah. thought. Agreed. Um, yeah. So in the interest of time, yeah, like to your point famously, uh, you know, Walt did never want to charge for like programs or add more for parking or whatever because he wanted it to be for everybody. And it is no longer for everybody. It is for a very specific subset of the country. And I think by design now, and, you know, that's why they're not going to go back to full capacity. They're going to go to a it's just more expensive to get in sort of circumstance. Right. Um Anyway, so the interest except of time, for March twenty first, we're except only, March twenty first. Nobody's only the wealthiest. By but, the way, I I looked and uh, Dream Key is available, which means that oh. uh, regular people oh. are probably available. Oh, I should oh. check again because maybe they figured it out because uh, that's a client, <laughs> and he also happens to be my brother. You guys, was, you, you guys have seen Jurassic Park, obviously, right? Like the first mm-hmm. one. See, Disney yep. now reminds me of the of the lawyer in that scene. We could charge two thousand mm. a day, ten thousand a day. 3, people 000, pay 10, it. Yeah, it's a good point. That's a good callback too. Yeah, um, and and part of that agreement that I was talking about before is that they never would say out loud, "Well, you're going to pay anyway." Yeah, and now they're ba- they're basically they're saying the saying, quiet part out loud. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. the the CFO is like, you know, maybe you shouldn't eat so much yeah. fatty. <laughs> maybe these yeah, these fatties will pay any amount. <laughs> You know what, though? Um, I think it'll be like anything. I think we're going through a dark time, just like Disneyland in the late 90s went through a dark time mm-hmm. under Paul Pressler. Pressler it'll, 2.0. It'll, it'll come back around. We'll get somebody who's good for the company and will make a, a lot of the rabid fans happy and things will level out. We're just going through a time right now where it's working. There's not enough people upset with it yet, but we'll, it'll come back around. Yep. Thunder Mountain wants blood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> once, once it gets it. We're going to get our way. Until it comes around, you can go to any grocery store around the area, maybe on the way. And don't forget, they have pre-made food that you can go to. Hell, if you forget, you can go to 7-Eleven right down the street. 7-Eleven food, not bad. It's also super cheap. And if you want to pick up a bunch of Sammies on your way in, uh, you can also, you might be thinking, oh, no, condiments are going to ruin it. They have free condiments. Free at condiments. The, at, Whoa. At the French market. And you but know Dan, what? That makes it even more fun. Yeah. But Dan, you know what's going to happen. Chapek's going to look at this and he's going to listen to you and he's going to be like, <laughs> no outside food or beverage. Jason Ooh. doesn't even listen to this show. It's fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he's our podcast daddy. <laughs> yeah. So I have more, but like Jimmy was saying, interest of time, let's judge them pre-shows. 
Yummy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, Your attention, please. <laughs> Tag, Dan is not only a reservation hoarder, he's also a condiment hoarder. I have, I have a, I have a picture of Dan with a meal from the village house in Disney World outside a um, small world. You know what though? You do not want to be somewhere and not have the condiment you want. I used to have my friend carry mayo packets because I'm a mayo person. I like to have mayo on Mm -hmm. a lot of things. Most places don't need mayo. The same person. (laughs) You might be the same person. (laughs) Because like I want mayo on my hot dog. Disney doesn't ever have mayo. I want mayo on some of my sandwiches. (laughs) Disney doesn't have that. Yes. You have a new DL Weekly listener. Mayonnaise. Um, uh, Okay, hold on. Before we move on, if you have not tried mayonnaise on your hot dog, do it right now. Press pause. (laughs) Go get a hot dog. dog. Unless you already have have a hot dog. dog. But Dad, are you? Do you use? Do you do mustard on your hot dog? Yes. Yes. See, I'm a ketchup mayo relish. I'm. That's basically Thousand Island dressing. My look. I love condiments. I feel like they, they, all of them have a purpose. Mm-hmm. So my, my hot dog situation, I'll get multiple hot dogs just so I can change it up. I'm oh. a very fat person currently. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm trying well, to get away from it. that, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> I will Moving say on. mustard though. Anything you put mustard on tastes like mustard and that's it. That's fair. It's Unless so you put enough true. chili and cheese on it. But if you like mustard, I mean, I, I get what you're saying, but. Yeah. I, for some people, mustard's fun. But see, it, it, but see, I'm not. I'm not. Look, I'm not anti ketchup. How about Jimmy, that, Jimmy? That's good, Jimmy. The thing is, if you put uh, chili and cheese on a hot dog, nothing else should be on that hot dog. Maybe <gasps> onion. Maybe onion. Oh yeah. You, yeah. Have you been to Tommy's? Have you been to Tommy's? Oh. No. Welcome, oh. welcome to during hours. <laughs> oh, God, Tommy's. Oh my God. I. Oh, we're going to Tommy's in a couple of weeks. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll get I'll get ready. All right, get ready. Uh, get that stomach pumped now. Okay, <laughs> so here we are, pre-show pandemonium with our guest judge tag, and we are going to go through the sweet sixteen. On the March fifth episode, we did the top thirty-two. Uh, ended up at sixteen. Now we are going to argue down to the winner of the pre-show pandemonium pre-shows. Now, tag, you might ask yourself, why is Rise of the Resistance not on this list? It's because we decided that what we're determining is the best pre-show that works in service to the experience best that is not Rise of the Resistance. Because in the spirit of uh, works in service, the best pre-show to works in service of the experience, we decided that it's basically before you put your seatbelt on that doesn't include the queue. Um, the experience that happens the pre-show, right? And because Rise of the Resistance has such a robust pre-show, including a ride, if you will, uh, it doesn't count. <laughs> I was going to say went. Rise doesn't really have a pre-show. Rise just kind of is, is the show. Rise, yeah. yeah. But yeah. technically, if if it's before you put your seatbelt on, is the pre-show mm-hmm. not including the queue? Then technically, Rise doesn't start until you get saved by the Resistance, and sure. Finn is there telling you spoilers. Put your on. Spoilers. <laughs> Also, you know how hard it is to get on that attraction still <laughs> in some and in some cases before the person in old timey clothes tells you without telling you directly, you will not laugh at this uh, this production of the Abraham Lincoln talking to you. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> okay, so we're going to start in our geographic northwest bracket. We are arguing for physical animation. Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run versus the Tiki Room at Disneyland. Go. Oh, this is rough. <laughs> All right. I'll start because you mentioned my ride first. Uh, Smuggler's Run, the, the the main attraction really in the pre-show is, of course, the animatronic of Hondo Onaka. Uh, Hondo is a Weequay, uh native to the planet Srilur. Uh, he is the pirate king of the Onaka clan uh, based off of the planet Florum. I'm saying a lot of Star Wars names. Yeah, you are. And the the fun part of this is we've taken a a character who is such a deep cut, not I mean really not even that deep a cut in Star Wars lore and we've made him prominent. Yeah, unless uh, you've seen like Rebels or whatever, he's not prominent at all. Right. Right. But yeah, we we for the casual fan, they don't know who this guy is and they probably maybe maybe don't care at all. But ultimately the Star Wars fans are are saying, wow, I can't believe we took this guy who was originally in the Clone Wars cartoon, then in the Rebels cartoon. He's been around. He's been in comics. He became a beloved character. And we've made a very expensive A1000 animatronic out of this character. So uh, we talk about physical animation in this category. And... Uh, Hondo is one of the prime examples of this category. He's the second most elaborate animatronic ever created. The first being the, uh, the shaman, the shaman in, of song. Yeah. Um, and, and by the way, they built two Hondo Anakas. But true. Yes. I suppose that's a, a, it's a tie unless they like deliberately like hobbled one of them, but I don't, I don't think they did that anyway. Yeah. He's the second most articulate with 51 functions they started working on this in December of 2015, well before the ride was announced. Uh, he has 10 functions in his head alone. You can see this, this character talk and express and emote. He has knee bends and the way he turns, it looks like he could just walk. It, it's it, There's so much that went into this character that serves the purpose of this is a real being that is that exists in front of you and he's here to tell you the story and this is where the pre-show comes in so once you've gone through your queue uh, you walk into the area where hondo is hanging out and hondo greets you uh he's he acknowledges that you're already better than his last crew who knows what happened to them uh but he he's talking to his droid he's talking to technicians in his shop um, and he tells you a little bit about the ride. So he, he explains that you're, you've been hired as part of, uh, Onaka Transport Solutions, um, his new business that he has on the, on the planet Batu. He tells you that he needs pilots to navigate, engineers to operate the ship, gunners to defend the shipments for his company. And by circumstance, uh, the Millennium Falcon flies in behind him. So you've got this elaborate screen behind Hondo that window. shows the, what's that window window. Oh yes. I'm sorry. It's an actual window looking out into space to see the thing land that you just walked by earlier. That's right. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but the millennium Falcon is landing. Chewbacca well, maybe, calls. Well, I thought about that. Maybe Chewbacca took it after you left the queue. No, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a, if you watch the, the graphic on the screen, you can hear the Falcon take off from like behind you and it shows it flying into the like docking area. 
Oh, okay. There you okay. go. That's a good. Huh. I like that. He just moved okay. it. Yeah. From where you saw it, he just moved it. Correct. Out, outside into inside. It's okay. It is clever. Well, there we go. That's a good point. Um, so Chewbacca calls in. Hondo talks to Chewbacca. Uh, essentially, Hondo promises Chewbacca that we'll use the ship briefly. We'll support the resistance. We'll make a little extra cash on the side. Uh, we better go before Chewbacca changes his mind. And you head down the hallway. So you've already got this amazing animatronic. You've got great screens. You have a complete setup explaining what the ride is going to be and the roles that you will take when you get into the ride. Then you walk down the hall. And since we're counting everything past the main pre-show, then you walk into the damn Millennium Falcon. Yep. And you can sit down at the the Dejeric or space chess table. Hollow chess. And you can, you, and the entire room is designed exactly as the, the interior that we're all familiar with from multiple movies. You get to physically be present in that situation. You get your assignments, you go into, uh, you go into your hallway, you're outside the cockpit, and then you watch another little video where there is a live action Hondo. Um, and he then explains what's about what your specific mission is going to be. So even after all of that, now he says, all right, he makes it seem personal. This mission right now, we're going to go get some coaxium from the first order. Here's what I've got for you. Uh, a little bit of a, a little bit of a outside of the universe discussion here. One of the great things about Hondo in general is that he is uh, his voice is portrayed by Jim Cummings, who has portrayed Hondo all along in in media. Winnie the Pooh, Tigger Two. Well, yes, uh, yes. Jim Cummings definitely been mentioned quite a few times on our podcast. Exactly. In fact, you might say he's a scraping the vault all star or a Supreme Resort all star. Oh, we don't have it's one of those. Now. But oh, okay, maybe Sorry. maybe I should put that sound effect in from, uh, from <laughs> scraping the vault. <laughs> yep. Uh, but so he returned to voice the character again, uh, Robert Nairn. I don't know who Robert Nairn is, but he's the one who portrayed him in the live action portions, including at the de- dedication of Galaxy's Edge in oh, Disney World. So but he was in the costume. Voice? It's, it's Jim Cummings' voice. voice. Right. Okay. Still. Yeah, the, the live action portrayal is is the weakest part of that whole situation because you saw what he looked like as the animatronic, which looks like the show. And then when you see him talking to you before you get in the cockpit, it doesn't quite look the same. I'm I'm not... That's the weak part for me. That's true. It is a little bit different. They, they make it fuzzy. They, they give it that Star Wars flair right. where there's static and stuff in the way and an old timey sort of <laughs> 70s uh, disc, you know, uh, graphic design showing you planets sure. and things. But ultimately, this entire pre-show, I say, completely embodies the concept of pre-show. It gives you it gives you entertainment. It gives you a high quality robot. It explains the premise of the ride. It immerses you in the universe. It says you are part of this experience. It tells you what you're going to do. And it even brings in IP that isn't, it, it's not completely well known. It's not like they have Luke Skywalker. They're telling you, all right, right. you're going to fly a ship with my pal Han Solo. It, it sort of embodies the spirit of Batu, which is, it, it feels like Star Wars, but it's nothing you know. You know, right. that these Which characters are not characters. For. Yeah. And, and so it embodies that idea. I'm 
So Dan, how about uh, Disneyland's Tiki Room? Well, um, if you want, if you are tired of levity and would like absolute sincerity, you head over to the Tiki Room, my friend, because there. And if you want to talk about um, exemplifying what a pre-show is, this is kind of the first pre-show. If you think yeah. about it, we talked about it last time. I think mm. this is the yeah. first pre-show. Yeah, and so it might not be as cool and as fun and have bells and whistles, but it's not really made to be fun. It's more just like a vibe. You're, you're hanging out in a tiki garden. Uh, I, I don't know if that, uh, Millennium Falcon does not have a bathroom. This one does. It has the best bathroom, by the way, best bathroom, absolute best bathroom. It's got fire. It's got the second least complicated animatronics ever made by the company. Uh, you want IP? I'll tell you about IP. We got Maui. He's a folk, folk hero and a trickster found in many Polynesian cultures. I have a whole lot more on that if we need it. We got Koro. We got Pele. We got Nagende. We're going to learn about all our new friends, Tangaroo and uh, Nina Kalua. Uh, Rongo, he's, he, he's there. God and Tangaroa, uh, God of, uh, Frosted Flakes is there. Um, <laughs> you got a pre-show where we learn all about Dole and, uh, Hawaiian geography, Hawaiian wildlife and horny birds getting it on. Absolutely not grotesque or disturbing history of the Dole plantation in Hawaii, how pineapples are made. We get to see a lady tossing a fruit salad. So many pineapple possibilities are presented. And, and you can eat pineapple you can, whilst that's right. doing all of this. We have refreshments. Uh, we can see how much fun white people are at Luau's. Um, <laughs> we, and you, yes, you also get, you can do, have the very famous, I say overrated, but still very good Dole Whip and a pineapple spear, all sorts of things. You could just hang out in the Tiki Garden. In fact, you don't even have to go into do. the show. You it don't need, some people don't, I don't but it does set up the show for you, Dan. I don't want to yes. throw this for you, Dan, yes. but it is also where Maynard hangs out quite often. Mm. Right. Right. Famous, famous. Maynard. You can see, you can mm. see the famous Maynard there. He might may or may not remember you. I'm sure he just pretends to remember everyone at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a good move, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a vibe. And if we want to talk about repeatability, Okay, sure. It it sets up the environment of the Tiki Room. It says, here's these very, here's this. It, it kind of says, by the way, we aren't joking. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a setup that says, this is a full environment. Here are the Tiki Gods. Here are the Tiki Goddesses. Here's, we have a refreshments. We have a bathroom. We are, this is a self-contained place. And, um, you're yeah you're gonna go see singing birds but guess what we mean all of it and you can tell because you're gonna hang out for 20 minutes in this very very sincere place damn can i point out before you get too much further that in the line to smugglers run if you go in the single rider line you miss all of this exactly interesting that's why but i was gonna say also (laughs) that you might miss all of that if you just happen to be walking up when the doors open right but you could also look around and be like this is a cool place to hang out because it is a cool place to hang out. And you have, so in one case in smugglers run, if you're taking the single rider line, which you should, um, you don't see any of the pre-show and that's fine because once you've seen it once, you kind of seen it. I mean, let's be honest. It's impressive. It's cool. All that, but you just want to let's, let me get, I want to get to that ride. I want to see the family yell at each other. And (laughs) I mean, that's, that's the fun. That's the repeatability of the ride. For the repeatability of Cheeky Gardens, how many times have you thought to yourself or said to someone else, 
let's just hang out here for a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. You could go sit there and not even go on the attraction. You exactly. could go in there, have a Dole Whip, and leave. You and could. I've done that. And I believe it was in the sitting in the lobby of the Tiki Room, the Tiki Garden, that was where your sister decided to buy a magic key. Mm-hmm. That vibe was so powerful. Yep. Okay. It was that powerful. If, Hondo didn't so, do it for her. Yeah. No. If So this is a tough one, Tig, but uh, let's move on. Which of these two pre-shows best works in service to the experience? Oh, geez. Uh, well, it's tough. Especially because- considering, I'm sorry, especially considering that one of them is so skippable that they have the single rider line skipping. <laughs> well, I... <laughs> I don't know why Disney does dumb things like that sometimes. They should do like Harry Potter did, you know, Universal with Harry Potter, where you are you could walk through the whole queue and see the whole show like as part of a thing and not have to go on the attraction. So kind of like, uh, I will say, Eric, I'm really with you with, with an advanced animatronic. I think he looks amazing. However, one time I went in there and they did have a bag over him because he wasn't playing. <laughs> Uh, and that was a little weird, but whatever. Uh, I, I do think that, that that is very modern. But the Tiki Room gives you almost a whole show in and of itself with the fact that you've got all these different things. And I'll tell you, I am sad when I show up to the Tiki Room and I do not get to see and you all just of walk the in. different gods because I like that part of the show. It's what, to me, is quintessential Disney is that kind of like touch with that So. Even though I'm not doing it because it's Disneyland, because Smuggler's Run is also Disneyland. That's a good point. I'm going to give it to the Tiki Room. Tiki Room Disneyland. So that's TRDL. And Smuggler's Run is TLDR. (laughs) Uh, I don't know what that means. Uh, Too long, didn't read. Okay, I don't know what that means either. (laughs) <laughs> so it's a it's a millennial thing. You have it's to be one of us to understand it. Oh, okay. I do okay. have to ask a question about <laughs> how did Dinosaur beat out Indiana Jones in this next bracket? <laughs> oh man. Well, let's uh that's I'm funny you mention it because um <laughs> when you go into the pre-show of Dinosaur, the Dino Institute is where you are, and the Dino Institute logo has three words. Exploration, excavation, exaltation. And you're greeted by one Dr. Marsh, played by the incomparable Felissa Rashad. She is the director of the Dino Institute, and she reminds us that we saw those quaint exhibits in the queue. But now we are going back to see the dinosaurs for real. And she leaves and she says, the future is in the past. Mind blow. And then we meet Dr. Seeker. He is going to take us back to the Cretaceous period and return an actual product placement from a movie nobody saw, but the ride was rebranded to coincide with an Iguanodon. Dr. Seeker would come with us, but he's grounded because he took an unauthorized field trip. So we're going to go to the last minutes of the Cretaceous period just before the asteroids destroyed the dinosaurs, but Dr. Marsh who uh, overheard this piece of information, corrects Dr. Seeker and reminds us how dangerous the time is, and she locks the coordinates of the time rover to the early Cretaceous. To the early Cretaceous. He shows her they cannot access the files, and she leaves satisfied. As she's leaving, Dr. Seeker reminds us to wear seatbelts and no flash pictures, but once she's gone, two keystrokes breaks the security protocols (laughs) of this time-traveling company, And he has overridden the restrictions and we're in. 
He assures us that we will be fine. We'll be out of there long before the asteroid breaks the atmosphere. Trust me, what could go wrong? And then he says, remember, only you guys are going on this special mission, so don't tell anybody. So presumably everybody else is in the line, is going on the regular pre-Cretaceous. It's just you who's going to almost die. And then we see pipes over our heads that are uh, ketchup, mustard, and mayo um, chemical signatures. And they're green and, or not green, they're yellow, red, and white. Yeah, those are the colors of those yeah, greenish, greenish yeah. relish. For the it was originally show, sponsored by McDonald's. Tag the show so. has already come full circle. Well, because we were talking yeah, about mayonnaise. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's right. That's why I brought it up. That's honestly why I brought it up. But uh, that's a fun little fact. It was sponsored by McDonald's, and so the the pipes overhead are those colors and the chemical signature, the chemical composite, or whatever of those things. So, fun fact. That's why. And the yes. Specifically noting that Indiana Jones has a, well, obviously is the same exact track layout as we all know from our classic episode. That's right. But uh, uh, one of the points that was brought up comparing the two, Dan pointed out that the actual pre-show video in the queue right now for Indy is just... It's just the seatbelt portion. There's no story explaining the eye. It's it's just Sala saying, hey, maybe you should put on this uh, seatbelt. Welcome, my friends. It's <laughs> yes. the same 20 seconds over and over again, and it's maddening. And now, they don't have the Eeyore parking sign anymore. Yeah, well. Um, and we didn't really clarify for Tag that um, we decided that a detailed queue is not the same as a pre-show. That's right. Okay. That's good because if we're if we're talking about detailed cue, then I think probably Indiana Jones would still win even right. with the bad video. But right, uh, that's true. Yeah. That's true. good to know. Thank you for clarifying. Yeah, this is pre-show, not detailed cue. Yeah, that's but a then, very long episode. But then, and this is a good lead-in, I guess, to the next part is how, uh, like Soren, like dude, you've got you've got nice work, pal. Like, come on, really? <laughs> oh. But he didn't do anything. <laughs> he made fun of the guy, the poor bald guy, about that's exactly his ears that's, under the. That's thing. why it lost. <laughs> really? <laughs> no. Dang. Yeah, I pointed out that he was making he was bald shaming, and yeah. uh, and the kid didn't actually do it. anything. I tell you, man, I would almost, I would almost say that I like that pre-show video for Soren probably almost more than the attraction, and definitely more than Soren over the world. Just. Just to put that out there. <laughs> it's the we same. are the same person. We are the same person. I yeah. decided. Okay. Anyway, so so th- that <laughs> didn't win, which is why we're not re-litigating. Glad you yes, went on that that's episode. that's fine. I was just kidding. Um, Star Tours. <laughs> Star Tours. All right. We're skipping the Q elements like uh, Patrick Warburton's droid G2-9T. Right. Uh, made from the literal bones of America Sings. Just wanted to put that out we're there. Skip over saw, yeah. yeah, Yeah. We're skipping. We're not going to mention that at all. Once you get through that main portion of the queue, you line up outside the vehicle. You're assigned to your number and your row. Everybody's ready to go. And there are monitors overhead where in years past, you were treated to a video of a nice lady with a side bun. That's very spacey, Mm -hmm. uh, but is now a droid named Ellie San San. Uh, Ali Sansan is named by what was named by George Lucas himself, uh, named after actress Allison Jenny, who 
portrayed her in the the pre-show video. The droid tells you about about what you're about to experience. She starts to immerse you in the the world of Star Wars. You've already gone through the line. You've already seen that this is a tourist destination. You know you're getting onto a ship to go to a place. She continues that by having a very very airline sort of uh, presentation of what to expect, including galactic regulations require that your carry-on items be safely stowed beneath your seat. Please watch your children. Uh, Don't let them take a flash photography picture of a uh, Wookiee behind them. Mm -hmm. Um, Smoking and photography Mm -hmm. are prohibited. So all of that is very, very immersive. Really? It's, it's part of the show. It tells you that you are, you're getting onto a ship and you're going to a tourist destination. You're all tourists. This is fun. You also see the story portion where C3PO approaches the captain of the ship who is an AC-38 unit called Ace. Uh, They have an argument uh, where 3PO says he needs to check the binary motivator on the ship, and the captain gets off of the ship. 3PO gets into the seat because he needs to to service the binary motivator. He needs to be in the captain's seat. The, The separator moves up between him and the rest of the ship, and he says, oh, now this is malfunctioning too. So we get to see our friends. We get to see R2-D2 and 3PO. And we see why C-3PO is on the ship. So we have a we have a pre-show video that explains what the ride is. It sets up that you are all participants in this experience. And even though it's just a video, it introduces you to the concept that the the characters that you know and love will be involved with this journey. And once you get on board, you're not going to be surprised to see C-3PO there. You know why he's on the ship. You get introduced to it. I mean, we're not, we won't talk about the ride, but all of this is set up in the pre-show. Can I just add it? And this isn't an argument for or against. I was just thinking as you were describing this, that I think it would be really cool and probably more in line with like the airport vibe if they kept the story elements of the video, but used the exact same safety video Hmm. from before. Hmm. Because that's what an airport would do, right? Oh, that's a good point. <laughs> it's like it's a thirty years. years old. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. And then anything they need to change, they just change with voiceovers. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Well, I mean, I will say the last time I wrote a, wrote a plane, I think it was was a Delta, maybe, mm-hmm. and they have like some CEO guy like come out and he's like walking on the tarmac and he's like, "Thanks for sticking with us through COVID. <laughs> We're trying our best." And um, funny story, real quick, that's not related to Disney at all. Uh, the guy, there's a, there's a specific flight attendant in that video who like does the little blow on the vest mm-hmm. thing. He was on our flight the first time no. I saw that. No, <laughs> it was serious. I was like, that's the guy up there. That's anyway. so funny. I like wow. that they, I like that they have their masks on on the pre-show video to set an yeah. example. Yeah. So between Dinosaur and Star Tours, um... I'm sorry, it was kind of predetermined, but even with the argument, it didn't sway me. I cannot think of anything positive about Dinosaur whatsoever. So, Star Tours gets it. Whoa! I did not see that coming. Literally, literally, 
I I rode it. I've ridden that attraction twice. And the only reason I rode it the second time was because I was like, maybe it wasn't as bad as I thought it was. And then I was like, nope, it was as bad as I thought it was. Teg, one of my greatest <sighs> regrets in life. Uh, I haven't told you this story. I think I've told the... Is riding uh, dinosaur? <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> no, it was... Brandy and I were on our honeymoon and we rode dinosaur and there was the the point where they take the picture at the end yeah. where you're supposed to be scared of the the Carnotaurus jumping out at you. And the picture on the ride was literally Brandy and I going <laughs> <laughs> looking bored in the direction of the dinosaur while a small child was screaming in terror in front of us. I was and that we small child. We didn't buy the photo because that was back when it was it, like they didn't have sure. the the, the same pass. the same photo pass yeah. and yeah. I, I should have bought that photo because we we talk about it all the time. It was the best. It was the only fun part. That's about a great the photo. But I will say, you know, like I guess the queue and stuff is fine. Like I don't think anything's crazy to write home about the 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 spiel. You know, pre show not that great. The ride is mostly in the dark, so mm-hmm. literally, literally, they could do nothing in this attraction. You know, it's like you're just riding around the dark. And this is I not think, an episode about the attraction, my friend. But hold on, wait, wait. I, so for anyone yelling at their phone right now, I, I, I'm thinking it through, and I think at least I, I certainly thought Dinosaur would win. But as I'm thinking about it, Star Tours is, I think, successfully giving you the airport vibe it's trying to give you. Sure, I. Agree. I also just think like. Eric made good points with Star Tours with this spiel and stuff. Do I do I like the weird computer graphic lady? No, not really. But I like the 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 fun like funny parts of when they're putting stuff in the wrong spot and taking flash pictures and all this stuff. It, in general, I just I just think overall it's just a better everything. So people laugh sorry, at it. Sorry, You're dinosaur. Right. Sorry, dinosaur. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on. We're going to go to the northeast bracket of video backstory, and that is going to be rock, rock and roller coaster versus Tower of Terror. Eric, Ooh. take it away. Okay, we're we're moving across. I I figured we'd stay on the the left side of the page, but we're moving to the right side, mixing it up. Okay, well that's fine. It's just more me talking, and that's that's what everybody's here for, right? Then later it'll be less you talking. <laughs> oh. oh, and that's what everybody's here for. Maybe I, I don't know. I don't think people are chomping at the bit to hear me talk about the Mister Lincoln lobby. Well, I, I am. am. <laughs> <laughs> You've got three fans, Dan. I do have yeah. that ready. Listener, <laughs> that, that back Listener, just if you're looking at how long you've been listening to the episode and knowing that we've only decided two teams of the eight or the <laughs> 16, um, it'll go faster once we get through this initial bracket. That's true. Me, People I guess love that's what long happened last podcast year. episodes. I'm telling you. Well, that's true. Uh, go ahead, Eric. All right. Okay, we did an episode on the rock and roller coaster fairly recently. So uh, if you want to cast your mind back to Rocktober 2021, (laughs) you can hear a lot of these details. (laughs) Rocktober. You're you're losing points. No, no, that was me. That was was me ruining the show like I sometimes do. So don't blame Eric for that. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So the actual pre-show for the... (laughs) <laughs> boysenberry festival if you like episodes. my ridiculous things that i drag eric and jimmy through you got stuff coming up it's gonna be yeah fun. you do oh, <laughs> oh man 
Well, the actual pre-show of the rock and roller coaster, we're going to talk about when you walk through most of the queue and you walk into Studio C, where you see an actual looking studio filled with dusty instruments and a window at the back end. Uh, Through that through that window on the opposite side, you are looking at the band Aerosmith and dusty rock stars, dusty rock stars as they are mixing, uh, an old track of theirs. Walk this way with our sound engineer futzing at his board. Uh, their manager comes in. Ileana Douglas plays the manager and says they have to go. We all know the story at this point. They all, they all dutifully file out of the room to get into a limo and then suddenly wait no we love our fans way too much and they very convincingly turn back around the entire (laughs) band aerosmith comes back in steve tyler says we can't leave these random people behind joe perry agrees you know how we feel about our fans (laughs) and a cast member behind you in the room may or may not yell with enthusiasm how about some backstage passes Once that happens, the band says, I love that idea. How about some backstage passes? We order a a super stretch limo uh, that will get everybody to the concert on time with Aerosmith. Then you exit out of that room into a dank alleyway into a parking garage where you wait in a line for a few more minutes and then you get onto the actual roller coaster itself. It's like getting onto an Uber at the airport. That's right. It kind of is. But um, Steve Tyler is generally not at the airport when I am. Yeah. Well, right. Wednesdays is his Uber show. And <laughs> <laughs> um, something I didn't think about a mere 50 feet away is the Tower of Terror. <gasps> where you go through a queue, which we won't talk about, but you enter a library of sorts. And we did an episode on that not too long ago as well, where we got in a lot more detail about what's in the library. But. Lightning flashes from outside the room and a television turns on and Rod Serling, voiced very well by Mark Silverman, says, you unlock this door. I'm not, no, not going to try. You unlock this door with <laughs> Do the it. key of imagination. <laughs> Beyond it is another dimension, a dimension of sound, a dimension of sight, a dimension of mind. You're Stretch moving into a land of... <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm trying to set the mood. Stop it. Oh, sorry. <laughs> You're moving into a land of both shadow and substance, of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the Twilight Zone. Captain. Hollywood. <laughs> Hollywood. 1939. Amid the glitz and the glitter of a bustling young movie town, at the height of its golden age, the Hollywood Tower Hotel with a star in its own right. A beacon for the show business elite. Now something is about to happen that will change all that. A strange high-pitched noise and ominous-sounding music play. Exterior shot of the elevator. Lightning hits the elevator shaft, and the Twilight Zone music starts playing. The elevator crashes to the ground, and the monologue resumes. The time is now. (laughs) On an evening very much like the one we've just witnessed. Tonight's story on the Twilight Zone is somewhat unique and calls for a different kind of introduction. This, as you may recognize, is a maintenance service elevator, still in operation, waiting for you. Dan, are you, you okay? If you dare to step aboard, because in tonight's episode, you are the star, and the elevator travels directly to 
the Twilight Zone. <laughs> I'm just picturing George Takei doing the whole thing. <laughs> <Hello>. <laughs> uh, one thing I, that's just unrelated, but one thing I thought was interesting is that there. So there are four. Um, as you go in the boiler room, there are four elevators that you can go on that connect into two shafts. And if you go on the elevator, to, two of the elevators on the left, then when you do the drop sequence, you're partially blocked by the sign. But if you go on the right, you have a free, unobstructed view of the parks. So just for clarification, this is the Hollywood Studios version. But it's the only version of Tower of Terror. Okay. I'm just because I experienced Tower of Terror in, in Disneyland in California Adventure. So I just didn't know if, if, if I think you're thinking of current. Guardians of the Galaxy Mission well, Breakout. That's yes. <laughs> yes. I'm talking about Hollywood Studios. They're right okay. next to Perfect. Rock and Roller Coaster. Okay. Thank you. Connected through an over-imagineered story yes, that you can hear indeed. about on our episode. That episode. From right. October. <laughs> well, and a major difference between uh, Disneyland Tower of Terror when it existed and Disney World Tower of Terror is um, there's not two uh, – there aren't two stories to it. So it's just like straight up I'm in this weird, creepy uh, attic or cellar or whatever. Boiler room. Boiler, yeah, that – words sure yeah so tag what do you think this one's very difficult actually because i i do think that the pre-show itself for rocky roller coaster is very cool i like the idea like the technology involved the fact that it's kind of older at this point but still kind of works uh really brings you into thing kind of like what happened with star tours uh and the tower of terror man i feel like they did they did a ton of of looking through old footage and pulling in, you know, Rod Serling, you know, and cutting at the right point and everything. Right. Oh, man. And I'm only supposed to, I'm only supposed to do the pre-show, not, not any of the details or anything. Oh, goodness. Uh, I, it's going to pain me. But I think I have to pick Rock and Roller Coaster because they have the actual people and it's not a voiced over video clip of Rod Serling. And they haven't aged at all in 30 years. <clears throat> well, yeah. <laughs> but I have to say for ambiance, if that is what we were judging, Tower of Terror definitely has that. But pre-show video backstory, definitely Rock, rock and Roll. Okay. That we, we said something. the tone. Yeah. We, we talked about this a little bit on the last episode where... Even though it's old technology, that screen at the back of the room really does give you a sense of depth because yeah, it's- we did. Yeah, it doesn't feel like a screen. It does feel like a window. Yeah. yeah. Right. While I wow. think that Tower of Terror does, in fact, set the tone for what you're about to do better. Um, I certainly can't appreciate the realistic nature of what you're doing. It's, it's not as fantasy. It's a little more based in reality and fun and thrill and stuff. Okay, cool. Uh, let's move on to interactive or undefinable. We have Test Track versus Haunted Mansion. Eric? And this is oh, Disneyland's man. Haunted Mansion, by the way. Disneyland's Haunted Mansion. Thank you. I I worked very, very hard to add more detail over Dan's original proposal for Test Track. Which and was? Not, you tell us. I had summary of what it is. You make a car. Reasons it should win. It shouldn't. wow wow uh so you enter through you walk through the queue and you enter into the chevrolet design studio at epcot 
where you can access a touchscreen device and design your own car. You can select the shape, size, engine, performance, efficiency, build your ideal car. Uh, question, is GM stealing our design choices? Some YouTubers think so. I asked that same question. <laughs> and maybe they are. Uh, maybe the next time I go on test track, which might be never, uh, it, I'll I'll throw the curve. I don't know. But anyway, you finish your design. You touch your magic band to the reader so it remembers what you did later, and it will show you results after the ride is done. That's kind of the pre-show. Great. Here we go. Kind of mansion. Quick one. Uh, <laughs> all right. So for the sake of brevity... Say with me when when hinges creak and doorless chambers, chambers and strange and, and frightening sounds, sounds echo through, through the halls. halls. When you love it when people say it out loud. Yep, it's the best. <laughs> um, I'm going to record need- it with my flashlight on. But here's the thing: it's it's iconic. It is. I think if the Tiki Room was the first pre-show, this was probably the first best pre-show in some mm-hmm. ways. And I I would argue that uh, Rise of the Resistance. It sort of built upon the the skeleton that this no pun intended uh, that this uh, has left behind for it. I'm kind of saving most. Yeah, of the I was going to say you're not going to win. It wins, it. and I yeah, I, I think talk about other things, but I, I do have more of an argument. Now. If I mean, unless takes like so. Here's what I'll say. So the haunted mansion, right? The whole pre-show is built on the fact that the Imagineers had to be so dang creative Mm -hmm. to get people under the train tracks. Disneyland, in general, has so many of these type of things that they had to overcome that Disney World does not usually have to overcome, and I think that always gives it kind of a head. Uh, Test track. Uh, the last time I was in the queue for Test Track was during COVID times, and you couldn't use any of those screens, Aww. and it kept breaking down. So mm-hmm. I spent so much time in this stupid queue with these stupid monitors that you couldn't touch. But that's not what we're judging. No. Uh, <laughs> I do think that the Test Track pre-show is... I, I don't like, in general, interactive elements of queues, uh, because I they're never done very well. Uh, except the Haunted Mansion in Disney World, I think, is done pretty well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but the stuff in mm-hmm. that's but fair. The stuff, but the stuff in Space Mountain was never great. The stuff that was on Test Track not great. The stuff that's been in much other things. The Seven Dwarfs so, Mine Train. Haunted Mansion definitely yeah. wins because that is probably, if not, I think that's probably other than the ballroom scene and maybe the graveyard is the most iconic part of the entire attraction is that elevator or is the, yeah. is the stretching room. And, and right. I think the reason we, we did Disneyland's uh, instead of Disney World is, is they are different in that some of the show elements are not in the queue at Disney World that are at Disneyland, like the bus and whatnot. But I think sure. I have a feeling we'll get into that in a little more detail later. So let's go yeah, to the Southwest and- and even though I am arguing or sorry, advocating rather for Haunted Mansion, I do have it in my notes that like, are we voting for it because it should win or because it's the Haunted Mansion? I, I don't, I want us to, yeah, well, we I will. want us to try to really, because I mean, I just want to also ask real quick, since we're talking about the stretching room pre-show, whatever, do we like the holiday version better or the oh, standard? No, I would not. say Let, the holiday version. Let's, Let's so not. we are not the same person. <laughs> listen, go back and listen to that episode. <laughs> okay, and then you I can yell at us. I apologize, I haven't later. listened to your entire back. No, 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 not at all. I just it, it's funny. So many things that you're talking about are addressed in all these episodes, and it's like, 
you, you might be better served to go back and listen to those <laughs> sure. to understand what you're getting into. Haunted um, Mansion. Um, I think it's good to walk blindly into this. I agree. I totally agree. <laughs> Yeah, okay. the Haunted Mansion episode. Eric, as a as a former listener, would you would you say that that's our most uncomfortable episode? I wouldn't say it's the most uncomfortable, <laughs> but it was uncomfortable. Yeah, uh, Disneyland didn't win. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, so moving to the Southwest brackets, we have it's a museum with Mister Lincoln versus Mission Breakout, Guardians of the Galaxy colon Mission Breakout, best pre show that's basically a museum. Mr. Lincoln v. Mission Breakout. Dan, go ahead. So, Gim Wimmel, which is great moments, Mr. Lincoln. Um, oh, nice. Right. So, we have decided that we decided previously that the first part of the lobby doesn't count, but I would argue that it should because the attraction is named the Disneyland story with featuring great moments with Mr. Lincoln. However, I'll allow I'm, it. I'm prepared. Okay. Um, Cause it allows me to talk more about the QN mission breakout. <laughs> what? Okay. I mean, but not that, but we're talking pre-show, right? This is, it's not a cue. This is, this is a weird, yeah, this isn't a cue. Uh, this is a bo- really I think weird both one. Are, both are have things. So go for it. Anyway, just okay, you know what? If you're to gonna allow, I'll I'll allow both. I'll allow that one as well. Um, so, in the front part of the lobby, guests get to see a rotating exhibit, which is usually we usually uh, directly relates to some kind of Disneyland history. Um, <clears throat> there's some kind of feature or attraction that's celebrating a, mind, a milestone for the most part. Um, so that's usually featured. Currently, it's the Haunted Mansion. Uh, not that this should count as pre-show, but it just so happens that that portion of the lobby also gives guests easy access to and from the Disney gallery. So it's basically like, um, it's basically like training ground for potential nerds. Um, the pre-show proper begins with a brief documentary about the making of the attraction at the World's Fair, including how the figure was designed. We're given a behind-the-scenes look at what we're about to see, but it is filtered through plenty of Disney mythologizing. Uh, we have the Capitol model. Uh, in the front part, we also have the opening day models, pictures of other attractions and features. Some of them are closed or changed. Um, occasionally the video in the front part, and this is how I got there, but occasionally the video in the front part will make reference to the show starting in the back part. Um, and fun fact in July of 2020, I guess pooped in the lobby as far as we can tell. Um, as far as we were told, right? So, um, I feel like it gives people who might not otherwise be interested some kind of a buy-in to the experience. Um, it's sort of, it can ease you into a type of attraction that you might not uh, know you would be into. Um, Walt touched it very much. So the only pre-show where Walt Disney himself tells you about what you're going to see, why he made it and how it was made. Um, and more if it goes on. Eric, did uh, anybody poop in the Mission Breakout? Mm-hmm. I, uh, probably. I don't know for sure. So, I, can somebody tell me the story of the poop and the what happened? <laughs> Eric, you were there, and it, it's more fun when you tell it. Uh, Dan and I were were taking one of our. We were there as a large group, and we were taking our leave of the larger portion of the group so that we could go see Mister Lincoln on our own. And uh, everybody said, "Okay, great, go for it." 
And when we got to the entrance of the attraction, uh, the doors were closed and the cast member said, I'm sorry, we're cleaning up. Or, 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 I'm sorry, we we're, we're temporarily closed. And code H. <laughs> they didn't say that. Uh, but when Dan pressed a little bit, he said, well, when can we get in? And she said, well, after we're after we're done cleaning up, uh, someone had an accident inside and Dan's face lit up like <laughs> it was the best thing he had ever heard. Um, yeah. Code H is a uh, human feces at Disney speak. Um, so Eric mission breakout mission breakout. So the only reason I, I'm not going to add the entire queue where you're outside and you're listening to audio samples. I'm bringing in the museum portion because we're in the, it's a museum category. So the, once you enter the actual building of mission breakout, you enter a completely different environment than what was there when it was the tower of terror. You have a room that is just chock full of Marvel Easter eggs that go beyond, uh, go beyond what we have seen in movies so far. You see Cosmo, the space dog, obviously, and some of the larger, the larger displays there, but you also see very sort of background mentions um, there's a cocoon of unknown origin. There are Cree weapons. There are Terrigen qu- crystals where we haven't seen the Inhumans outside of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. show. We see Asgardian weapons and armor. Uh, we see masks uh, resembling the Celestials, uh, Jack Kirby's uh, spacey creation from the 70s, including Arashem the Judge. Now that we've seen the Eternals, we know that character, but we see also Jemiah the Analyzer, Zaran the Tester, Isan the Searcher, and Gamemnon the Gatherer. There are so many back there comic references that most people aren't even going to get. That really serves the the it's a museum portion. It's it's fan service in the best way, where it's not even in your face. You have to look to find Figment in a case. He's up high. He's back behind you. It's kind of like it's kind of like searching for uh, the Eeyore sign, like Jimmy mentioned earlier. It, you have to know he's there, and you have to look, and you have to understand who Figment is to say, oh, look, there's Figment. A lot of Disneylanders don't get Figment. So the initial portion of the ride is definitely a portion of that that pre-show feeling. It's setting you up. There's also a video playing on the the large screen that sets up the story where you you find out that Peter Quill was tricked into bringing the Guardians to the collector's collection and you see Rocket escape. So the premise of the ride is already starting once you get inside the building. Then you get to the doors that lead you into the library portion where you scan your hands. We're continuing this story portion. Hands on scan. You're you're setting up this idea where everybody's got to hold up their hands and and that whole that whole premise. Once you get inside, you see uh, Rocket speaking. He comes out uh, and and tells you more backstory. The entire the entire experience once you get into the building is serving the rest of the ride. You have time to become immersed in it, and I, it, this has come up on pretty much everything that I've I've talked about today, except for Test Track. You're being told you're a participant in this, and here's how you fit in. Um, every single portion gives you something interesting to look at, 
something that where you can completely nerd out and annoy your family and friends. And uh, in the end, you know what sort of ride you're expecting, even though there's a little more there's a little more cue after you finish the rocket portion and more Easter eggs after that. You're getting you're getting the real pre-show experience. You know what you're walking into when you enter that ride. So I, my I two would cents. Argue, I'm sorry. I would argue that they kind of do the same thing. But I agree. That's what I was great moments. Mr. Lincoln does it for a real thing and the other one does it for Marvel. And also I want to point out the great moments of Mr. Lincoln lobby is where regular people go and become nerds like us because it, it is a radicalization tool. If, if, you, if you're, <laughs> if you're a dormant AP, <laughs> I don't know if that's good or bad. It's just something to point out. This is a tough one because uh, my initial thought before you guys made your arguments was uh, the category is it's a museum. So I was like, do I choose the actual museum or do I choose the fantasy museum? Mm -hmm. Um, So it's really tough. But I will have to say that between the two of them, I think the thing that most people going to a Disney park would enjoy the most is going to be Mission Breakout. Mission Breakout. Okay. I, for nostalgia, I say work. Lincoln. Yeah. Yeah. But if you're just the average person that's not the nostalgia bomb with it, I right. think if you're just, yeah, if you if you were experiencing both of these things for the first time, uh, and especially if you're not an American, uh, I think that Mission Breakout wins. That. That's interesting. Right. I hadn't thought about framed it that way, but you know, the, the whole premise of this show is aimed at the potential average person and who's going to have a better experience at Disneyland versus Disney world. So from that, from that perspective, I think you're right. Yeah. Okay. And I, and I do love Lincoln, but um, it, it's not for everyone, you know? Yeah. True. It may get to a point where Eric's going to have to argue with himself. Yes. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, actually it's shaping out pretty good. So we're going to go to toy story. This is the wild card West toy story mania verse phantasmic oh i get a break for a couple yeah now toy story here. mania um so the pre-show effectively is is um potato head right and he's standing there he's a barker he comes in the potato head box is behind him like this is what this toy is and so he has kind of a script i just want to highlight a couple of things that i thought were were kind of funny so this is some of his dialogue all my pals have set up the Midway Mania playset just for you. So you're about to go into a playset. So while Andy's away, it's time to play. Who's played Midway Mania before? Raise your hand. Wow, that's almost everybody. Who likes the part where you throw darts at Bo Peep's balloon animals? Raise your hand. Not bad. Who likes when you toss the rings on the little green men? Okay. Who likes the part where I stop asking all these questions? Well, at least you're honest. Step right up and I'll guess your weight. Anyone? How about you, sir? You in the white. I'm going to guess your weight. I'm going to guess about 15, 25 minutes tops. <laughs> That's yeah. Uh, thank you. Thank you. What do I have to do to make you people happy? Pull off my ear? And he does. And he says, ouch. And he says, there you are. Happy now? And then, well, neither am I. And he replaces his ear. Usually. And then there's there's a slight variation, uh, you know, Woody and Buzz and all my pals, followed by, you want to hear a song? Well, you're going to hear one anyway. And I will save the lyrics of the song until 
needed. <laughs> well, let's hope that it's not needed. Um, so I admit I am a giant Phantasmic stan. Um, and I realize I've recognized this since the reopening. So advance apologies. Um, this is the wild card section. So it's a little going to get a little bit weird, but the, the pre-show is basically a jazz band, which is real people actually interacting. So potential happy birthday moments. Um, <laughs> they play music, jazz music on a raft, uh, while very slowly moving back and forth on the rivers of, of America. Now the lighting very slowly changes from like a regular lighting package that high, uh, to, uh, more like designed lighting package that highlights the features of the, on the Island uh, that operate as a stage thrust set piece wings and backdrop. It kind of like, you kind of see, Oh, this is a stage now. Um, This all works under the guise of giving the band a stage on the water. Um, After the band leaves, we have 10 to 15 minutes left to wait. And the Island has been transformed from an attraction that closed at dusk to a place where something magical could feasibly happen. The opening narration bring, uh, brings everything slowly into darkness and slights fade out and music sound design fades in. Uh, I want to say thank you for choosing the superior Phantasmic. I don't know if you guys uh, picked that as the superior. That wasn't even an option. Episodes. No. <laughs> okay, good. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, so I, mm, I was thinking the Phantasmic was going to lose this. Just looking at it, just because human labor. The only thing, the only thing I could remember was the the lady saying welcome to phantasmic blah 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 and i was like okay but you've got mr potato and taking his ear out i mean that's pretty dang cool that's an animatronic removing a piece from his thing no that's human so labor. cool human labor made mr potato head <laughs> yeah but uh phantasmic uses like 10 billion people to, to put it on every night so i don't feel like um Ooh, I feel like I'm gonna kick myself later for this one because I love. You, you guys want to hear some jokes? Why does Woody have spurs on his boots? Anyone? Because they look pretty silly on his head. Okay. Is this, this thing isn't on? Helping your case. This why does Why does Woody? He does, he does this all the time. Why does Woody say, never uh, eat dessert? Fantastic. Fanta- no. Um, I'm gonna give it to Toy Story. Because Why does Woody episode. never eat dessert? Because Jimmy, he's been stuffed already, for years. You already got it. You already got it. <laughs> well, and, and here's the only reason I'm arguing, because I, I agree with everything you're saying, Dan. But when we're talking about the thing that best sort of sets the tone for what you're about to experience, what you're saying is great entertainment, but it has nothing to do with what I'm about to experience. And so I, I, I support I, every argument. But I mean, if I wanted to, I could make an argument that it kind of does. But I think ultimately you're right. Okay, because it does that. It does that. It play what I the direction I was going in was the using your argument that you like to bring up of you know I was just playing on this island and now it's this place where this thing is happening. Yeah. But I think ultimately you're right as far as pre shows go. Phantasmic yeah. barely even counts. Okay, uh, they were saving it for the actual show. There That's right. Go. Right there, you go. Uh, which is a phenomenal show, of course. So which I've never we seen. are. Moving across the brackets for the Southeast region, this is going to be Muppet Vision 3D versus the art of animation. Now, the pre-show for Muppet Vision 3D might be the finest filmed pre-show of all time. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's very long. It's like 12 minutes long. But there are a couple of things that I wanted to highlight. So for those of you who haven't seen at the Disney, this is specific to Hollywood Studios because I have not done the one at Disneyland. 
Uh, or it's not. Is it still there? No, still our magic is there now. That's right. That's right. So there are three video screens that these characters actually interact between the three. And like, there's one where there's three Gonzos and they're all, you know, presumably the same Gonzo, but it turns out that they interact with each other. And anyway, um, so Fozzie on one of those scenes, uh, he says, I told you chickens to stay on the other side of the road to someone off camera. Okay. Why did this chicken cross the road? <laughs> and the chickens are, and he says, ah, oh, that's funny. And the exits, right. Hey, penguins, I got a joke. Why did the chicken cross the road? I thought that was funny. And then, um, where's Kermit? Oh, he's inside getting ready. Oh, great. Great. I've got a whole new act for the 3d movie. This is Fozzie. Just wait here. I'll get him. And then he goes to the right TV. Okay. Get ready, girls. And he crosses back to the center. He says, Scooter, I'd like to present the 3Ds. Uh, and then, hi, I'm Dorothy. Hi, I'm Dinah. I'm Max. Yeah, Debbie was sick, so uh, the union sent me. I thought that was funny. I'm the only one. Um, okay, so. To the, the bottom of the sea. <laughs> like, <laughs> that is the, pretty good. Of the sea. Uh, and then Sam Eagle at the end here. Uh, ladies and uh, let me see if I can do. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> boys and girls, <laughs> I am Sam Eagle, and there are some important and safety instructions for you. And then Gonzo enters. Uh, excuse me, Sam, Sam. Not now, Gonzo. But Sam, this is urgent. Come here. And then uh, they exit, and then Sam's like, what? And Gonzo, yes. Really? Here? Yes, indeed. Right over there. Uh, well, of course, uh, certainly, ladies and gentlemen, we have an unexpected surprise. I have the great honor of introducing the one, the only, Mr. Mickey Mouse. And then Rizzo comes in. Hello. Hi there. Welcome to me, Park. How you doing? Hello. And Sam Eagle says, whoa, 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 whoa. What? You're not Mickey Mouse. You're a rat. Ranch, Matt. Besides, they're tourists. What do they know? Well, get out of here. And then he says, okay, do I still got my 10 bucks? I thought that was funny. Jimmy, a lot of your arguments seem to be just reading uh, the copy for the attraction. Well, it is because that's the pre-show. So think of all the times that you have gone to the Muppet 3D show and thought to yourself, I really hope I can just get into the theater and watch the show versus how many times you have gone to the animation building lobby just to hang out in the lobby. Um, the art of animation is, uh, I think that's the wrong name, but whatever. I do that all the time on this show. It's a it bunch of screens. Of okay. A bunch of screens playing, uh, synchronized footage of and relating to Disney animated features. It's a giant montage. That's what that, that's what that's called. Um, and they have complimentary lighting and accompanying music from the films, usually the more popular songs. Um, and it's all done on a very, very large fl- floor to ceiling scale. Um, it is a vibe. It re- oddly resembles, I think, to my my brain the set for fantasia 2000 but i think like i was one of five people who saw that so um it's just a cool place to and this is there's a theme with the things i've chosen it's a just a cool place to hang out and it sets the stage for the potentially when they're all working four different uh, uh sub attractions that it exists to set you up for. It's like a reminder of, oh, this is why I love and care about these properties. 
rather than it just being like, and I get, again, Muppets, it's, it's funny. I love them. I love the show. I, all of it. I'm sad it's gone, but it's just, it's not, kinda, gone, it's not very repeatable. It's gone in my heart. Um, it's, it's gone on this coast, which is stupid. Um, but it's ultimately not super repeatable, but I can, I mean, it's, it's great if someone hasn't seen it before. It's like, yeah, you must see the pre-show, but I feel like that works in reverse for the animation building when we talk about repeatability. So I think that the art of animation pre-show is quite the spectacle, but I don't personally, I don't find myself wanting to sit in there forever watching something. I have other stuff I want to do in the park. So I think from a pure entertainment standpoint, Muppet Vision 3D wins this week. Woo! I agree. <laughs> and it was not because of Jimmy's reading of the some of the <laughs> would jokes. you Would you say it was in spite of? In spite of, sure. <laughs> I just I just feel like I feel like Dan and Eric, you guys are doing a great job of like bringing in all this history and setting the tone and blah blah blah. And and Jimmy's like, let me read from the script. Well, and I think that's not by design. I think it's just by, I mean, I'm trying to avoid going into the whole attraction sure. argument, sure. right? And just specifically the thing. And I think it's coincidence that I'm you could also doing... look at it that you're letting the queue speak for itself. There you go. Right. I, right. I, there we I go. Couldn't say it better myself. All right. And then the final second round bracket is the wild card East. This is mission space versus the seas. I'm going to make this real easy for you. Um, not the seas because <laughs> I, got, I thought a lot about it. And if we're saying that the pre-show for the seas is the ride that is super cheating uh, because the attraction is not the seas anymore. It's the ride. That's the attraction now. Mm-hmm. Whereas the, it, before the attraction was a conveyance to get to the attraction, which is the living seas. And now the the seas with Nemo and friends is a post show, not a pre-show. You but know what I mean? But isn't that more of a perception thing? Because I mean, the intended. It's just you know, it's just like great great moments with Mr. Lincoln. The Disneyland story is by definition part of it because it's in the title. Yeah, I suppose. But then, uh, what's the pre-show? There is no pre-show at that point. Mm. If it's all one, if it's I'm not all saying the, it's good. I'm just saying yeah, that, yeah. like, I mean, it's, you know. Here's what I'll say if we if we're arguing for the the ride being the pre-show which I think is unfair um the the projection technology which was new at the time where it looks like those animated fish are in the same tank as actual right. fish is a really cool I I like that and I like that the Alice and Janney starfish character has different lines and it's kind of funny but I I just think it's kind of cheating but I guess we'll let Maybe I mean I don't really have a dog in this race but like I th- I do think that it's possible that a pre-show could overshadow the show, and maybe yeah, that's a good right maybe that's good pre-show, about, or maybe it's not. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I think I'm just we're throwing it out there. For Jimmy, me, are I you not going to read any Alice and Jenny uh, dialogue? <laughs> no, I'm not. I've been okay. shamed, so I'm not going <laughs> to. No, but but I think the point is that the seas with Nemo and friends, the posted wait time outside of the attraction is for that ride. In which yeah. case, there is that's no pre-show. Fair. Okay, that's fair. So I would agree with you on that one. Yeah, so I think that was kind of cheating. It was a wild card. We needed to fill out the bracket. Moving on. Go ahead, Eric. Mission Space. <laughs> Which Mission you might want to you might want to save your argument for Mission Space versus Muppets. Yeah, don't do the script read yet. Okay, I I, I can't I can't channel Gary Sinise right now. <laughs> Only He's if he sounds there. like George Takei. There you go. <laughs> I, Hello. You know what? I'm if you guys Gary make Sinise. fun of me, if you guys look, make fun of me look. like thirteen or fourteen more times, I'm out of here. <laughs> 
Our guest is knit on the. Um, all right, so that is the end of round two. We are in round three. Hopefully, this speeds wait, wait, wait. Up a little Does bit. Teg oh, agree wow. with you? I was like, I was like oh, sorry, I didn't even get to pick. I'm the host. So, <laughs> no, Eric, go ahead. Can, Eric, can you remind me? Because I feel like I was crazy the last time I rode Mission Space. Is Gary Sinise still there, or did they switch nope. that out with somebody else? No, Gary Sinise has been replaced by Gina Torres, who, um, if you question her sci-fi cred she was in firefly no i just love gary sinise and i feel like it was a crime to take him out of that but uh so i will say that i'm giving it to mission space but begrudgingly because i would if it would have been anything but the seas i would have given it to that because i'm so mad that they took gary sinise out (laughs) wow wow to be fair it's the the pre-show dialogue is verbatim identical they just but it's not the Gary hour. Sinise, and that's, that's true. what yeah. I care about. It's not so. hungover Gary Sinise. Oh, <laughs> I don't really care. Yeah. Any Gary Sinise is Any Sinise. Gary Sinise. Uh, and okay, they do so, they do introduce ex- almost explicitly the possibility of vomiting, which I that gets me across the line. Oh, it's that I have that in here. It's yeah. very, very explicit that you, you please be warned. Okay. This ride will you will could kill blow you. chunks, <laughs> and you might die. Um, okay, so we're going to go back to the Northwest. This is the winner of the physical animation being Tiki Room at Disneyland versus the It's Just a Safety Spiel of Star Tours. Um, should I save it for later? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, how about this? Why don't, from moving on, why don't we do this? Uh, Tag, not to put you on the spot, but why don't Uh-oh. you see if you need any further probing questions or answers from from us. Because we don't have a category at this point, right? No, we don't. Okay, so we're just picking what pre-show between the Tiki Room and Star Tours is better. Well, let's, right. let, let's reframe that question as which pre-show in, regardless of category, because we're out of categories, yes. which pre-show best works in service to the experience? Oh, man. <laughs> this is a really tough one. I mean, so do uh, any of the three of us have a strong opinion one way or the other? I know I I do. I mean, for me, the, the Star Tours thing is it's it's a video with animation. Um, I'm already kind of in the place. I like some of the the activity they're going on and kind of setting up into uh, C3PO. But the Disneyland thing is such a vibe, and it sets yeah. the tone so well. And it sets the tone by itself. You don't need mm-hmm. a cue to set the tone, whereas Star Tours is a whole cue to set the tone. It doesn't need it. You just walk in that place and you get it. It doesn't even tell you what you're going to experience, and you still know what you're going to experience. You have a pretty good idea TV. after you're in there for a while. Right. Like, and right. I think <laughs> you've, made the, you've made the case. Tiki room for the first bracket. All right. So All right. moving forward, I, I think, Eric, and I, I kind of shut you down on my opinion, but I think the point is if you disagree, by all means, you know, make your case. But if, if three of us think that it's the right thing, then. I mean, just- ultimately, it comes it does come down to uh, to judge. It's judge says that it's what the judge says. Right? Oh, yeah. That's yeah. true. Yep. I, I say, um, yeah, if Teg wants more or wants us to duke it out. Verbally, we we sure can. Even yeah. just for your, your your entertainment, you know. I That's think I'll right. save the duking out for the final bracket because I think that'll be the most vicious. Uh, okay, well, we're <laughs> moving on to uh, the Northeast Rock and Roller Coaster versus Haunted Mansion. Oh, <laughs> okay. I, I need some argument here. 
Guests start in a lobby filled with a lot of dark wood paneling, ornate lighting, and old woman wallpaper. An introductory <laughs> narration is played or given by the ghost host and at least two pass holders. Guests are in a portrait gallery, with, which stretches. We all know what this is and can listen to our episode covering it. Uh, there's a hallway featuring multiple effects and features which complement one another and interweave. No single effect is highlighted. Um, if... You want me to stop and you have an idea? You, you could, so. you could stop. You could stop. Okay. Uh, I do want to say, can I vote for just your description of like old lady wallpaper yeah, and, totally. and your pass holders? Because <laughs> it's true. Yeah. It is. Damn All right, it, Dan. <laughs> Rock and roller coaster, Eric. Rock and roller coaster. After you've slogged through the Florida sun, you're finally. W- <laughs> You're finally inside an air-conditioned building again. <laughs> you walk into a, a darkened room, and you are treated to a view that most people don't get. You're looking at an actual music studio, and at the opposite end of that music studio, there are actual rock musicians. Perhaps they are not the rock musicians you're familiar with, if you are a modern person. But <laughs> they are cold play. <laughs> they are they are rockists to be sure, and they tell you everything. Rock and roller you need coaster starring Coldplay <laughs> or Dave Matthews. Oh <laughs> All right, I'm sorry, Eric. It's going to the haunted mansion. Yep. Um, okay. <laughs> moving on, Southwest. We have Mission Breakout. That's uh, Guardians of the Galaxy: Colon Mission Breakout. Versus Toy exclamation Story point. exclamation versus Toy Story Mania. Oh no, I think I see where this is going, and it's uh, Mission Breakout definitely between those two. Midway Mania, <laughs> you'll love this game. It's so insania. No, okay, I'll stop. No, no, sorry. sorry. Yeah, I couldn't do it to myself. All right, Mission Breakout. <clears throat> this is getting good, exciting. Good, good singing though. Thank you. It's Actually. my that's my major in college. Um, how can I make it any plainia? Anyway, um, okay. So we have theme park singing. <clears throat> that was his major. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I, literally, <laughs> and I, I made a living doing it. Um, all right, Muppet Vision 3D versus Mission Space. Again, Muppet Vision because Gary Sinise. I'm still bitter. All right. Well, Gary okay. Sinise is not in the Muppets, but I accept. And I have a lot also, of also probably the better one. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. It, it really it's just is more it, fun. The last yeah. thing Jim Henson ever did. Um, I did not know that. That's great. Yeah. Okay, this is exciting. Now we're at the final four. Final four is mm. West Coast, the Tiki Room at Disneyland versus Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout. Mm-hmm. This gets harder. Yes, it sure does. As the I, teams I, get better, the games are I, more I exciting. I don't think I don't think I want to be the judge anymore. No. Um, <laughs> oh my goodness! Do you guys have anything to try to sway me one way or the other? Is there one nugget of information that you think would put one over the top? Uh, I have several nuggets of information. Well, wait, wait for a second, um, yeah. and please give them by all means. But okay. Eric, if you feel that Tiki Room is better, then you don't have to say anything. But if you think that Mission Breakout is better than Tiki Room, then by all means. I will still stick to my guns and argue whether I believe I'm right or not. Oh, wow. That's good podcasting. That's podcasting right there. Go ahead, Dan. Well, 
once again, Tiki Room uh, has a bathroom, has refreshments, has fire, and it's survived, as we've talked about. It is the best bathroom. It is the best bathroom. So we also have, and this is in reverse order. Have you, guys, have you guys had a a bathroom episode? No, we because didn't. Tiki Room would win. This is why we're doing best pre-show, because originally okay. it was best bathrooms. Then the Tiki Room one is hands down. It's oh, lockable, okay. clean. You can sit in there and like you listen to the it, birds. You can do, you do anything. anything. There. anything they have free anything. tampons. And because all none of us on this show would need those. <laughs> well, still, somebody might. Yes. Half, Jimmy half likes the people listening. The tampons. I have them in my backpack. Or feminine <laughs> napkins. Um, nice. But anyway, that was a whole thing. So, Tungaro was one of many children of the earth and sky. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rangi and Papa. He is sometimes depicted as a whale or human humanoid and serves as a deity of many water bodies of the earth, as well as the aquatic creatures that live within them. And you can see him at the Tiki Room. Rongo is a Maori deity. I'm, I'm on another tab, so stop me if you need to. Is a Maori deity affiliated as being God of agriculture and God I like, of I like how I said one nugget of information and you're giving me just the, the backgrounds. We're it's on. a big nugget. I'm sprinkling nuggets. Okay. Okay. The- okay. Eric, do you have something to counter? Uh, there's or, a wait, painting who- of. There's a painting of Jeff Goldblum and Benicio del Toro as their characters from the Marvel Cinematic Universe playing playing checkers together in the queue for or in the, the pre-show told area. told me that there was a painting of Jeff Goldblum from Jurassic Park, I could have <laughs> swayed. Eric, does new life fall out of that painting? <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right, Tiki Room. Tiki Room. Oh. Ladies and gentlemen... This may be unprecedented in the Supreme Resort history because I Uh-oh. suspect Dan will be arguing with himself. Which Final is a category. daily thing, but uh, I'm going to have mansion. to step out. <laughs> the Haunted Mansion versus Muppet Vision 3D. Oh, man. Okay. No, um, I, I got Muppets. I'm saying Haunted Mansion is going to win this. So, um, <laughs> I mean, how can you argue Haunted Mansion is not better than Muppet Vision 3D? I mean, unless yeah, you got an argument for it, it's yeah. I mansion. mean, the only thing I'll say again is Muppet Vision's a fun pre-show. Some people yeah. like it better than others. I think there's rewatchability, but when you're talking about effectively the best pre-show made before the first pre-show in in um, Tiki Room, is that pre-show the unprecedented nature of it, and then you know going down the hallway, the changing portraits, and the moving busts, which you can manipulate yourself. Whereas on if you're doing it at Disney World, it's part of the ride. So I don't know. Anyway, I agree with yeah. you, Doug. And I, I do think, think that uh, Haunted Mansion, the pre-show, is kind of part of the attraction as well. Like it doesn't feel I agree. separate. Well, but that's why we're that's why we made the distinction of buckling your seatbelt, because you could yeah. say the same for Rise of the Resistance. Like the yeah. whole thing feels like the ride, but it's not. Yeah, yeah. True. Right. Um, so now this, the moment we've all been waiting for Dan arguing with himself, (laughs) which is better, the best pre-show at any Disney domestic theme park. Is it the Tiki room in Disneyland or is it the haunted mansion in Disneyland? Well, here we are. Is this a surprise that the guy who hosts the Disneyland (laughs) podcast would have two Disneyland attractions? Yeah. Shocking. Yeah. (laughs) None of us saw it coming. (laughs) Maybe some of the Um, listeners did. I don't know. Did anybody fill this bracket out prior? I did. To, I've done and, it twice. And, and is this is this where you thought it would go? Uh, I had Smuggler's Run versus Haunted Mansion. Oh. Oh, wow. Uh, I, yeah, on, I, I thought on, Smuggler's Run would have gone further. Yep. 
I had it Sorry. down on a mansion against Tower of Terror because I put the flings in the wrong place. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> how, how about the uh, the listeners? Any listeners close? Call in eight five six R ears. You can. We've got a bunch. Yeah, we've got a few. Let's see. Um, Could people send theirs in? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, we've still got can. a prize associated. Yeah, there's a prize. The the potentially the the guy. What's his name? Kevin uh, Kevin McNeely from Pirates of the Caribbean is going to do a, a cameo for the winner. And oh, last wow. year, Steve Gutenberg did a cameo for the winner. Wow. Uh, okay, so so Terrence Green from Ears Up Podcast. Here were his final four. Indie, Mission Breakout, Muppet Vision 3D, and uh, Web Slingers. Wow. <laughs> Web Slingers. Let me remind you, Web Slingers beat Haunted Mansion in his bracket. <laughs> <laughs> he really does like California. He <laughs> does. Well, he got he got Muppets and he got Mission Breakout, so he got half of them right. Okay. But the final okay. two was Indiana Jones and Web Slingers, oh, and man. his winner is Indiana Jones. He does not win a Yes, prize. definitely, between those. We're only uh, calling out Terrence because he bailed on us. <laughs> yeah, he was supposed to be. <laughs> I will tell you, uh, this would have been different if the bracket would have started differently. If I would have been on the first yeah, that's true. part of this, I think it would have gone differently because I definitely would have picked Indiana Jones over Dinosaur. Hmm. Really? Even if the video's not the video anymore? Yes. Yeah, I think people get so caught up in the cue part of it and Maybe. didn't hear the definition of what we were trying sure, to do. Because sure. you're right. If you're talking cue, Indiana Jones could you know, win. Oh, without a doubt. Most. Without a doubt. Um, all right. So another listener, Indiana Jones versus uh, Jungle Cruise and mm. Flight of Passage versus the Seas, where Indiana Jones versus Flight of Passage was the final. And he says Flight of Passage wins. He does not win. But we Why do have didn't make it out of the first bracket either. No, we do have one who, as I recall, chose the correct final. Ooh, um, he chose. Uh, well, he chose Smuggler's Run versus Haunted Mansion, and I don't know if you want to spoil it. Tag, do you want to spoil it? Who wins? I mean, I I want a bloodbath before we get to. All right, Dan's gonna beat himself. I want Dan to fight himself. Look, I have plenty of that in my own life. I'm gonna leave it to the three of you, and I'll step in (laughs) if I need to sprinkle in. Dan, which which one of these would you like to win? Which one is the pre-show winner in your heart? (sighs) In my heart, that's really rough. I would. I so I think whichever one you choose, the entire attraction is going away. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. That's a great way to frame it. In that case, my. So better pre-show. If it's an entire attraction goes away, um, I'm picking Tiki Room Stays. Whoa. How about you, Eric? Hmm. Wait, if you have to pick this and the winner of this, the loser of this has to go away. Yes. And you're saying you want Haunted Mansion to go away more than Tiki Room. No, I'm saying, so the way that I'm picturing it is both of these just become just the pre-show. Like you have oh, the pre-show for Haunted Mansion and the pre-show of Tiki Room. Which uh, one would you prefer? Then I'd okay. go Tiki because yeah. I could... You, I, I agree. I could sit and watch that all day long. I have. never go on the, the attraction. Never sing like the birdies sing. 
Because I That's think true. they both serve the attraction in a kind of similarly effective way. They're not necessarily because a lot of the, the attractions that I talked about, I was focusing on they set you up for what you're about to experience. And both Tiki Room and Haunted Mansion don't explicitly do that. They don't tell you, here's the role you're going to play. They do give you the vibe, though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they do it in entirely different ways. I'm not saying right. that they're, right. you know, but I think what I will choose based on is I is is if you are going to uh, take it as just the pre-show and the rest of the attraction was gone. I feel that the Haunted Mansion is more immersive because when you are in that pre-show, you don't see the outside world. Where mm, that's good in point. the tiki room, there's people walking by, there's cash registers mm. going on, all that stuff. So I think based on like immersion and not being taken out of that, I'll give it to the Haunted Mansion. Haunted Mansion is the best pre-show at any domestic Disney park. I will show you my final that I did today. Haunted Mansion. Yeah. Hannah Mansion is the winner. And this whole episode and or two episodes really we're just trying to make amends for the Haunted Mansion episode for Dan. So we want to <laughs> <laughs> This has all been pre-engineered. No, not that's no, seriously. So I, do, yeah, I do just want to share checks in the mail, right? <laughs> yeah, <that's> right. <laughs> I do just want to share some of my things about why it should win. Uh for Tiki Room, it was just a list of the gods. Um why it should win. Uh, if Tiki Gardens is the OG pre-show, Haunted Mansion is the OG multi-experience pre-show. Basically, mm-hmm. we talked about that. Blend seamlessly seamlessly the ride itself. We talked about that. Essential component due to the physical nature of the ride. We talked about that. Tonal necessity to the flow of the experience starts off spooky and mysterious and builds to the graveyard reveal, which is when we get Mark Davis, you know, ruining what I think is otherwise a perfect ride. Mm-hmm. Um, well, congratulations, Honda Mansion. Let, let me just make sure the premise of this still holds up. Which is better, Haunted Mansion pre-show or Rise of the Resistance? I think Rise of the Resistance does. And I yeah. just like I said, I think Rise of the Resistance does it extends on the, what the Haunted Mansion what the Haunted Mansion set precedence. But you're right. Outside of Rise of the Resistance, Haunted Mansion is the best pre-show that mm-hmm. sets up the experience you're about to have. And it's a little – I'm not going to lie. It does feel a little bit like Churro's winning the SmackDown SmackDown. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. But I also think we arrived at the right thing. But we only you have know, one listener submit a bracket that had a Haunted Mansion on it. You know, I will mm-hmm. say you're talking about Rise versus, versus this. And my problem with Rise is – if if that pre-show is not flowing in a way that makes sense for the story, the very first time I rode Rise was during the pandemic, and there was times of the pre-show that halted and you kind of were just standing there for a long time. And I did not mm. feel that the story of the show, I did not feel a member of the story of the show because we we waited outside, we got into the pre-show area with Ray. That was going on. That was cool. We got to the the section outside the starship. We had to wait there for what felt like ever. I didn't feel like we were like running to get to anything. We were on the thing. Uh, we were on the shuttle going up to the ship. It got captured. That was fine. But then we got into that main room and we sat there forever. And it just it just broke up that I didn't feel like I was in this urgency that the that the storyline called for. Where I feel right. like with the mansion. There's no urgency to get to the next place. You're you're just going through this haunted thing. So I think 
if it's operating at a hundred percent, I think sure that Rise gets that. But I think that if it if there's a backup or any type of technical problem, it falls apart for me. Yeah, mm. it just yeah. Th- th- what Rise did is it just put everything up a notch, and as a result, it's got to work through its thing. But to be yeah. fair, have you not? stood in that hallway and another group of people in the elevator is about to come out and you're right there at the elevator you came out of and you're stuck there for a while, you know, technical difficulties happen, but uh, you cannot replace the reveal of those stormtroopers. It never gets old. It's true. Yeah. Um, Okay. So, well, thank you very much. You did a great job. You were, uh, it was a difficult position you were in a couple of times. um, Namely when I read script, um, <laughs> as George Takai, <laughs> evidently, I didn't. Well, that's good because I, I thought you were doing uh, William Shatner for a minute. I tried for a minute. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> uh, okay. So uh, you can, of course, listen to our other shows besides the Supreme Resort. We have Ears Up, which is a podcast about Disneyland. Uh, they do news, but we don't talk about them right now because DL Weekly is where you get your weekly Disneyland news. <laughs> um, we have uh, Ears Up in Depth again, another news show. And then it's Scraping the Vault, which is a show about straight-to-video Disney sequels, which we learned on the last episode was the baby of one Mr. Bob Chapek. We are That's true. Chapek's our podcast daddy. Um, so, and also, uh, you can contact us if you have any show feedback or any other things you'd like to ask us or yell at us about. Uh, I'm Jimmy at earsup-podcast.com. That is Dan at earsup-podcast.com. E. Johnson. <laughs> Johnson. At concierge.com. And then where can we reach you, Tig? Oh, man, Teresa's is going to hate me, but uh, send us an email feedback at dlweekly.net. All right. Why is she going to hate you for that? Because both of us get that email address. Oh, okay. <laughs> feedback at dlweekly.net. And please listen to DL Weekly. It's informative, it's fun. There's a lot of neat little. Um, uh, what do we call? I'm going to call them bits. I guess there's a lot of fun information, and there's some history on there as well. And sometimes and, I'm there. And sometimes Eric is there doing a Disney or a D-180. And maybe you'll hear me doing a D-180 one of these days. Oh, sure. Maybe. And also listen to The Hub Crawl, which is a fun, if you're a Disney nerd and you like to hear stories of other Disney nerds, that is a show for you. And it comes out every other week. Is there a day of the week? On Friday. On Friday. Every other Friday, you can get another Hub Crawl. Uh, and then, of course, you can hear Teg uh, tell all of his listeners how wonderful the Supreme Resort is on DL Weekly. Comes out weekly. On Wednesdays. On Wednesdays. Every Wednesday. And I will be one of those. So thank you very much, Teg, for your time. And uh, yeah. until next time, everybody, Haunted Mansion is the best pre-show in parks. Let's come join us next year where we do the top 32 kids meals. Kids Maybe. menus. We do yeah, the kids we, menus we, again. We we put a lot of work into that one, or we I did. did. Yeah, did well, we? anyway, well, I did. Tell my wife <laughs> shut it down. Um, oh, well. Anyway, this is better. I Until then, say, I do want to say, if you guys ever need a judge again, this was a great time. I'd love to come back. Absolutely, we have a lot of subjects, and we we welcome you back. So thanks again, Teg. And until next time, be good to each other, and we'll see you real soon.
I never know how to close this show. See you real soon. That's good. Fresh baked. <laughs> Fresh baked. <laughs> Two distinct parts of <laughs> Asher's personality. <laughs> Which we haven't heard from in quite some time. We haven't heard from him. He's been asleep because he drank too much purple stuff. <laughs> <laughs> what a cool mom. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. Oh, look at this. I just noticed the pen I'm using. Ooh, oh, my goodness. Ooh. The mm-hmm. pen I'm using. <laughs> Do you oh, remember our trip to Walt pens. Disney's resorts? Oh, all right. Ooh. Ooh. Dan, what's your pen? It's pen time. Ooh, it's mighty. Oh, the oh sword. everybody's Expo. got a good pen today. Yeah. And I can draw right. my, my thing. This is good radio. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> I'm Are leaving you this. Drawing that again. I like your smiley face, though. That's nice. Yeah. That happened were- mid episode like a year ago. Yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> oh, he's drawing more. Mm-hmm. He's going to put hair on it in, yeah. in an ironic turn of events. Hey, you know what? I know what I do <laughs> in my head. I'm not recording video this time. I can't uh, post that. Uh, That's fine. But you do nice. have this audio. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And so, yeah, yeah, you don't have to prepare anything either. Tech issues is all your side. All yeah, right. Okay. We'll do it again here. Supreme. We'll do it live. <laughs> I like to make editing hard for Eric. <laughs> it's not that hard.